Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is in the mix, and of course, co-hosting with me is Kaz Scaife. We've got a very special guest coming on. This is a heartbreaking story, and if anybody has any information out there, anything they can add help with uh, that might help expose what's happening, uh, please, please get a hold of us, tsrad1 at outlook.com. That's like Twisted Sister, rad1 at outlook.com. Um, we're looking to put together information state by state on who's been done and by whom. Um, it, this We have asked so many times federal and state legislatures to address this. They adamantly refuse. They come out with all kinds of bogus bills, uh, fluff and buffs we call them, that do not even mention the word guardianship. They know full well what's going on. The elderly have been targeted, not only for their lives, but for their assets. So whatever we can do to pull this together, let's do it. I'm all done being nice. Uh, I'm not going to ask anymore, would you please? It's going to be you damn well better. And with that, I'm going to turn this over to Kaz and let her take this interview where it will go. Go ahead, Kaz. Thank you, Marty. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, I know sometimes I get cut off. Well, um, I am so excited to have Kathy Richardson on this show, and we are going to be talking about Otholes, and of course that is um, near and dear to my heart, those Otholes, because that is who I have been dealing with for 11 years now, and when we have some of the same Otholes that we are dealing with. Uh, she's dealing with Deb Clock, who was the guardian of, of my uncle, and she also is having to deal with Dead Clop. She's having to deal with Diane Zabowski, who I've had to deal with. And then a person who I have not had to deal with, but 
we exposed on our whistleblower panel that we did, Marty, and that's going to be Robert Slutsky. And Kathy is having to deal with him, too. Now, he's pretty dirty. He's dirty enough to be the star of the show of the Whistleblower Summit that we did on Otholes this past July. And so with that, I know there's a lot of people that are listening. They're the Otholes. There's a lot of us that know each other that have been abused by these Otholes. And they're called Otholes because Judge Stanley Ott was like the beginning of who everyone was having to deal with. He did uh, retire, but he's still working at an Othole law firm. And he has his protege uh, who are working there in the courthouse, and Kathy's having to deal with. I believe, are you dealing with Lois Murphy? Yes, she was Is, a judge in our yep. case. Yep. So she's been taken over, and she's been trained in very well by Judge Ott. And so she's an Othole, and we just will keep calling them all Otholes. Basically, they all work together. They all know each other. They all use the same people. And Kathy's going to explain what's going on in her situation. Her mother is still alive. So this is a very, very important case for all of us because there is still time to help free Kathy's mother from these potholes. And so, Kathy, I'm so excited to have you. I think we've known each other for almost a year now. And I think close. Yeah, and you and at first, you know, you were going to play nice and play by the rules and do everything that they said and, and hope that everything was going to work out. And things have really escalated to a serious situation, and I know that that's why you're on the show. To It's time to expose this because playing nice isn't always, isn't always working out, and we're, you know, we're finding that all out. But I just really believe that there's power in numbers, that all of us knowing each other and working together – we're going to get a lot done. I know, I don't know if you can talk about it, but I know a lot of you were at some big event last night. I wish I lived up there in Pennsylvania because I would have been there with you with, um, with a, some, was it a senator or something like that? Senator Mastriano, yes. We did did talk to him last night. We did hand off a few stories to him. Uh, very yeah. kind man that I hope can help us out in the future. I watched him, I believe was it Mary Bush taped him on Facebook Live, and I watched his speak speaking, and I was so incredibly impressed with him. So hopefully he's going to get elected and he's going to get in there and make the change. But why don't we right now, so everyone who's listening, if you'd like to start at the beginning and just kind of let everyone know how, how many years ago did this start and what started it? Okay. Um, this started with um, a family dispute. I have, it's myself and I have three older brothers. I had, my mother has dementia, but she's mostly very lucid. She has short-term memory loss. She's able to carry on conversations. She knows who everybody is. Uh, she'll forget what she had for lunch, what she had for dinner, who visited her, what she did the day before. But she knows who everybody is. And if you repeat stories to her often enough, she she gets it. She understands. She comprehends. So uh, back in 2018, um, my one brother, who is kind of the mastermind in all this, he, unilarity, he was co-power of attorney with me first of all so him and I were both on my mother's power of attorney Uh, 
he, while I was on vacation, moved my mother into a nursing home. It was an assisted living home, cleaned out her bank accounts oh. and, and all the belongings in her house. So my oldest brother was living in the home with my mother, and this was part of the dispute. He wanted my oldest brother to pay money for living there, which I did not feel was necessary because I felt it more important that we had somebody in the house for my mother in case there was an emergency because she needed her medicine put out for her and her meals planned and cooked. So um, I personally did not feel money should have been an issue. She did not need that money to live on. I felt it more important that there was somebody in the home. So in June of 2018, when he moved her into a home, I let her alone. I went to visit her in the home. I talked with her. Um, I had several recorded conversations. I tried my best. I did not sway her. Um, I wanted to know what her wishes were. Did she want to stay there? Is this what she wanted? And she was, in my opinion, she was coerced to go into the home. Um, She did not want to be there. She told me repeatedly she did not want to be there. She was of the understanding that it was just temporary. She was just there on a temporary basis. So I explained to her, if you wish, I will hire an attorney and we will work on getting you back home and getting, my brother's name is Michael, getting Michael removed from power of attorney so that he can't do this again. So I hired a lawyer. Um My lawyer had a very nice conversation with me, and he did explain, um, yes, just because he's power of attorney um, does not give him all power. Nobody should do something like this without consulting other members of the family. So what we chose to do, because I did not want to go the guardianship route, I did not want to put my mother in a courtroom, Um, What we chose to do was file to have my brother removed as power of attorney, leaving me on as power of attorney. Prior to that happening, I was handling my mother's affairs. I was paying her bills. Um, I had everything set up. It was an easy process. I had auto deductions, and I would say it took me no more than a half hour a month to handle everything for her. So we filed in court to have him removed as power of attorney. Um, He then received, oh, and by the way, my brother was working with an elder care attorney at this time as well. And I think she was helping my brother along in his decision making. Do you you know the name of that attorney? Let me see if I recognize Um, it. Her name is Mary Podliger. Um, she's with Bonco Elder Law and I have heard that there are other attorneys in this group that work in the same capacity. So, Mm, okay. 
my attorney, and is this in judge and I'm sorry, is this in Judge Murphy's um, courtroom to remove a power of, the power of attorney, or is it a different judge it, at this time? No, it's it's the same same judge. And mind you, we hadn't gone to court yet. This was just okay. the filing. So Judge okay. Murphy, in in her response to our filing, um, sent a letter back to my well, all the attorneys, um, the two attorneys, stating that um, basically she felt that there was a family conflict that could not be resolved, and perhaps one of the um, parties should file for guardianship to protect my mm. mother's constitutional rights. <laughs> so I have the letter. Yeah. Oh, my. And you sent it to me. I saw it, which I thought was such a joke because guardianship basically removes your constitutional rights. You have right. less rights than a, a criminal sitting on death row. So for her to write that, that's just such a joke. Right. Wow. So my brother then did in turn file for guardianship. And there was a court-appointed doctor who came to my I skip. Can I get backwards a minute? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I brought my mother out of that home to live with me um, after she was there, I would say for it was a period of three weeks and my husband and I went to visit her and she had been in the hospital the night before. Um, but what I found when we went to visit her, um, she was all bruised up on her ribs. She had um, bruising all over her bottom. She was crying. She was in pain. Um, oh. I took her, I took her out. I took her to the doctors. The doctor sent her to the ER because of her extensive bruising. And then I brought her back, um, and I had her stay with me until we got through the court proceedings, which took about two months. So um, we go in. um, The court appointed a doctor to evaluate her. The doctor came to my house, spent about an hour with her, asking her, you know, all the questions to see if somebody's incompetent. And he wrote a letter a few days later declaring her incompetent. So now what I want to do in removing my brother as power of attorney is totally obsolete. They're, they're, they never even looked at that. Um, right. they, they appointed a lawyer for my mother who, um, thank God, was in her favor. Really? She was in her favor. Um, She did, I mean, I didn't like the whole process, but she did assist me in getting my mother moved back to her home. Um, Oh, my gosh. And and, this happened in Lois Murphy's court? Yes, but this is an attorney... That's not, um, I saw another case she was used in other cases, but I don't think she's one of the more common attorneys. So now she has since retired. Um, I wish she was still in my mother's case, uh, but she has since retired. Um, So we go into court. Um, They declared my mother incompetent. Um, Judge Murphy read the whole um, decree claiming her incompetent 
And my mother sat in that courtroom and cried like a baby. It's so awful. It's she, like they're she a criminal. Knew, she knew what she knew what those words meant. She cried like oh. a baby. And my brother walked over to her afterwards and said, "Why are you crying?" I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And uh, the other thing in court, and my mother's attorney heard this and put it in an email to me. Um, before the proceeding had started, my brother walked over to my mother and said, don't worry, we're going to take care of the freeloaders. We're going to make them pay. So this was not about my mother's care. This was about my my brother paying money. So now Mm -hmm. with the guardianship going into place, we have a bill from um, the court-appointed doctor that was twelve hundred dollars we have the fees of the court appointed attorney which was billed at the court rate so it was lower than other attorneys um my brother admitted in court that prior to going to court he paid his attorney seven thousand dollars out of my mother's money oh my gosh um we had a court-appointed guardian of the estate who charges a hundred and it started out at $105 an hour. Now it's $115 an hour. Um, we have a court-appointed geriatric manager. That's Deborah Clock. Um, her, her role in this was to help me with a care plan. Oh, my gosh. She's so awful. So, <laughs> can't wait to yeah. hear how I can't wait to hear about her care plan. Okay, keep so, going. Well, she oh. pretends, you know, up up front, you know, she gave me the story that she cared for her elderly mother and complete completely mm-hmm. understood where I came from and she had to talk to all the parties involved, so she had conversations with me and my three brothers um and then we're to develop a care plan to get my mother um back in her home I was given 20 days to get my mother back in her home and uh, let me tell you it was like pulling teeth I really had to jump through hoops because I had a lot of people not paying attention um to get her back in there but I did I managed to get her back wow because you're like the most amazing daughter like everything that you've done like as you're telling this story and I'm hearing about atholes I'm amazed with you and everything like that you took your mom home like you were amazing me Okay, well, I just want to put that easy, out there. It was easy, but we did it. Yeah. Wow. We did it. Was Deb blocking you, like, to try to, like, make things maybe not work out like they were supposed to be planning? Well, like I said, initially, she was she was my friend. And, and we worked together, you know, put a, a plan mm-hmm. together. And, you know, we have arranged for my mother to go to an adult day. And I, I really pushed back to make it happen on my terms. Um, she's never been to an adult day before, so I wanted to do it the, in a oh, gradual process. The, oh, the adult daycare? Yes. Is what she's, oh, yep, she likes to do that. That's what yes. she, yeah, she does that to a lot of people. I, I would like to know if she gets a kickback from this adult daycare. You know what, I don't think they make enough, um, I don't think they charge enough where she would get a kickback. Um, however, mm-hmm. what I do think, um, 
what Deb Clark was supposed to do was she was supposed to make routine visits to my mother's home, like monthly visits to her home, um, mm-hmm. basically to make sure she was safe. So mm-hmm. in the two years that my mother has been in guardianship so far, um, to my knowledge, Deb entered her house four times. So what I believe she may have done, um, and I don't know this for sure because I don't see anybody else's bills, but she had other clients mm-hmm. in the adult daycare. So oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a one-stop. Um, I don't know what the bills look like. I have no idea, So, but she she oh. could see everybody at the same time. Bill everybody, you know, oh, an hour here for everyone gets an hour or whatever. Right. Yeah. So now not long, I, I would say we're only maybe four, five months into this. Okay. Uh, I received like an urgent text from Deb um, stating how my mother's funds are going to run out. And she was recommending all these additional care items for my mother that I was currently covering, and I wasn't giving my mother a dime, but she wanted to put things in place that my mother would have to pay for versus just letting me do it. So she was insinuating to me that with all these things in place that her money was going to run out and we really needed to look at getting her in a home. Now Mm -hmm. I come from an accounting background. I have audited, I work the numbers and I figure my mother does not have a big big estate. Um, I figured with the liquid assets she had, she was good for four years or more in her home. Mm -hmm. So she was trying to create a budget that would make it look like the money was going to deplete in a matter of, you know, four to six months, Uh, which I continuously push back on. Uh, We had a couple of family meetings um, generated from some drama that my oh, brother caused. Um, Deb researched facilities prior to these meetings, built my mother for them. She mm-hmm. built my mother for talking to her friends. Um, mm. it, it just, she built my mother for talking to the guardian of the estate, um, to me. Yep. She shouldn't have been talking to he- him. Her job was to generate care plan with me. So I feel Mm -hmm. that there were a lot of boundaries that were crossed that she didn't need to cross. Um, In the first year of guardianship, and I know my mother's story is not as hard as the mother's as far as the cash goes because she didn't she does not have a lot of liquid assets. But in the first year I calculated out my mother paid out in fees um just to the professionals sixteen thousand three hundred and seventy six dollars. So that was just between the lawyers, the guardian of the estate, who by the way 
made it over a thousand dollar math error in his first bill. Um, he oh my, my gosh! My, my mother's first bill from him, and all he's supposed to be doing is paying her household expenses. That's mm-hmm. all he's supposed to be doing. Eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand. Eight thousand. Just first for bill him that to came pay from. the household to, to get everything set up. Oh my all God. the mail and to you be already had it all. to his home. Uh, it was. Uh, it took me a half hour a month. It, yeah. Uh, all she all she had was you know the electric, the gas, the cable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. It, it was bar- it was barely anything. Um, my brother did all the food shopping for her, so I didn't have to worry about that. Um. So he and, and when I dis I did dispute his bill. When I got it, good for I you. Of, I did a lot of cross-checking because he also hired an attorney, which I was told initially that if he has an attorney, it's not my mother's expense. However, it is my mother's expense. So and that's Diane who Zembrowski. Diane Zembrowski. Oh my yes. gosh. So oh. uh, I cross-checked his bill versus her bill. And there were so many inconsistencies from how he built to what she built. Um, so you got two people on either side talking to each other regarding the mom's case, uh, even though he's charging $105 an hour and she's charging $125 an hour because the two of them are talking together. My mother's paying $230 an hour. And they're probably talking over lunch, and she's paying for lunch. You know, it's so disgusting. Wow. Yep. So um, moving forward, um, and I think this is when I had initially contacted you, Kaz. Um, mm-hmm. COVID-19 hits. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, tell all and- that. Oh, my gosh. COVID-19 hits, Um, and one of the things I did not mention is I had um, cameras in my mother's house. Um, The cameras are motion-censored, so I can tell, like, if she's not moving around. I can see if she's fallen, um, if somebody's not right there with her. I'm only a mile or two from her house. I can mm-hmm. get to her very quickly, or I can call somebody to get to her quickly. I can call 911 through the cameras. Um, the yeah. cameras are um, uh, air quality sensitive, so if there's smoke in the house, it would detect it, and it would send a message to my phone stating that the air quality was not good in the house. Wow. So everybody knows about the cameras. My my brother um who we had problems with continuously when he went over there he would unplug the cameras really and sometimes he would plug them back in but not all times he would plug them back in and then i would have to go over and reset the cameras and reset my phone so everything would work again so once COVID 19 hits um deb clock wants access to the cameras so I never really had a very comfortable feeling <laughs> with her. I didn't know everything yeah. then that I know now. Mm-hmm. Something always kept me on guard. 
As it so should have. My mother's attorney contacts me and asks me to give her access to the cameras. And I did not want to give her access to the cameras because my feelings were that she would create a circumstance that deemed mm-hmm. me not to be able, fit to take care of my mother. Meanwhile, I'm yeah. already a year and a half into taking care of my mother. She's not fallen. She's not had accidents. She's eating three times a day. Um, she's going to her doctor's appointments. She's, um, I, I have a schedule that I put out for her every month. She's going to the adult daycare three days a week. Um, there was nothing given that would make anybody feel that she was not being taken care of, but they wanted access to the cameras. And so my, my opinion is, well, she can't go see my mother now. But if she has access to the cameras, then she can create some bills. Oh, yeah. She'll, oh, yep, watching. Yeah, you're right. So I'm very uncomfortable with this. And I called my girlfriend. And I said, I don't know what to do. I said, I am not comfortable with this. And I don't know if I could do it anyway because they'd have to come into the house with their phones so that I could sync their phones up to the cameras. Mm-hmm. So... My girlfriend says, Kathy, she said, give me some names. So I want to do a little research. So she wrote the names down of everybody involved in my mom's case. Mm-hmm. And she does some Googling. And she calls me back within a half hour. And she says, oh. this is not good. She, she found your uncle's she, story. Oh, my God. She's who got a hold of me first. Yes. Yes. Oh, so, my gosh. Wow. So what happened during COVID-19, um, when everything got shut down, I was able to work 100% remotely. I would pack my bag up every morning, and I would go to my mother's house, and I would sit down at her house, and I would I would do all my work there, you know, while attending to her needs. I spent 8 to 10 hours a day there. My mother was being taken care of. Um, Yeah. I was um, not comfortable with other people coming into the house. I spoke to my attorney, who in turn spoke to my mother's attorney, and they had both agreed that the only people that should be in the house at that point were myself and my brother who lived there. And for my mother's safety, everybody else should stop visiting. So my brother went and complained. Um, He had numerous conversations with Deb Clock. In fact, Deb Clock worked more with my brother than myself. So um, she put out this big, long letter that um, this was more about my issues with my brother, that my, the visitation was restricted and your visitation was restricted no because i was restricting everybody else's visitation um it wasn't really about covid19 and keeping my mother safe it was because of my issue with my brother that's what she was pretty much saying in 
in her email. And I was very fortunate because my mother's attorney responded in a one-word sentence um, saying, what part of this do you not understand? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I love this attorney that your mom had. Yeah. So we stopped visitation. You know, my husband couldn't come. My children couldn't come. Um, mm-hmm. my, uh, other brother was not coming, um, any of the grandchildren, any of the in-laws, no friends. It wasn't about one person. Right. So, um, further on into COVID-19, uh, I find out that Deb Clock tried to move my mother into a home behind my back. Into a nursing home during, Into and nursing you're in home. Pennsylvania. During, we're in coronavirus. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Coronavirus. A, it, it was, and my county is the worst county um, outside of Philadelphia. Montgomery County was one of the worst. Like, especially oh my, like, in nursing homes. I mean, to me, and, it just shows her incompetence, Deb Clock's incompetence. Like, I'm in Wisconsin, and I read, I mean, that was making national news how bad it was in Pennsylvania. And then that woman who's like the head of the health care pulled her own mother out of a nursing home. And Do you remember all that stuff? I mean, it was like so much drama that was going on in Pennsylvania because it seemed like everyone, I mean, people were dying in these nursing homes and nothing was being, and Deb thought that that would be a good idea. I mean, to me, like, is this woman not a complete moron? Like, what, like, nowhere in the CDC would they think this is a good idea. And Deb is a care planner. This is just, I mean, this is just horrifying to me. That's, I didn't didn't know about it. I did not know about it until I got an email. And I'm not, I'm not sure the attorney meant to tell me. Maybe she thought I already Uh knew. Um, uh-huh. But she did it um, the same day that the home that she wanted to move her into um, got shut down and everybody was evacuated to another home because they did not have the staffing to and, take care of everybody in the home. And that's the one Deb thought would be a good idea to move your mom to. Yes. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Goodness. Okay, let's hear all about her great wisdom. Okay, this is this is just unreal. Like, I, I mean, because the fact that I've had to deal with Deb Clock and just let this, she's just such, I mean, just such this like complete idiot that she would do this. Like, I mean, a, a middle schooler would know that you shouldn't do this, but Deb Clock doesn't. Okay, yeah. I'll let you continue as I rant on Deb Clock. That's that's okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm uh, feeling your anger. I'm just like so angry because I remember when we talked about all these things, but it's like all coming up and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it just makes me so angry at these people and that they think they can just get away with it. I am so proud that you like just really held your ground with them. Okay, because you're such an amazing daughter. If I had a daughter, I don't have a daughter. I would want her to be like awesome like you <laughs> to um, take care of me. Thank My you. My boys will do that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Wow. One of the things somebody said to me in the beginning of all this was at the end of the day and know that you did everything you could. 
Absolutely. So this has cost cost my family money, time, um, and it it wasn't necessary. It wasn't, I I was power of attorney. Um, We had things in place. Mm -hmm. Could we have put some more things in place? Yes, we could have, but they could have been established with a conversation. Yeah. And assistance. Yeah. Um, So guardianship, in my opinion, was not a necessary component. And there was nothing else explored to remedy the situation um, without the guardianship. They just automatically threw out the guardianship. It's what they do. In my opinion... It's part of their racketeering, and they have a playbook, and it's it's the game. And I can tell you, as you finish the story, I can tell you, you know, the end game. The end at the final is they like to take the home. They like to contest the wills. I mean, they want and they enjoy inflicting pain and suffering on families because I think, in my opinion, they are like sick sociopaths. They enjoy. They enjoy the harm that they inflict but they're also going to go for homes and go for contesting wills, you know, and we see the end game of how, I mean, we could just line up the the phone calls and people who have been in this, I mean, it's 11 years for me. I've watched the game and it's just disgusting. So guardianship is the only thing that they like to choose because it, it works for them. They don't care what works for anyone else, but them. So I'm going to let you finish your story. And so we're at the point where, how did you, get your mom not to go into the nursing home um well i didn't know that the attorney shot her down so i didn't even know about it till after the fact so um staying in we would have fought it because of covid covid was actually um probably helped me a little bit yeah keep her home longer yeah so um you know we Going going further into COVID, you know, when everything opens back up, um, it was a good three months. Um, I would say that I was at her house seven days a week, lots of times, eight to ten hours a day. Um, wow. So the daycare opened back up, and we start getting back to normal normal schedules. And this past August, it was August 28th, um, I remember, because it was my son's birthday, um, oh. my my mother fell. Oh, no. So, um, to nobody's fault, um, I was actually, I was not with her. I was on the road, and but I did watch everything over the camera. My brother was with her. Um, she did not lack any care or attention. He did all the right things. He did not move her. He called 911. The police came. Um, she was taken to the ER. Uh, she broke her arm and she hit her head and she needed stitches. So she spent four or five days in the hospital and because I had to monitor, make sure that nothing heart-related caused the fall and and so right. forth. So um, recommendation from this point is for her to go to a rehab because mm. she can't use her walker um, yeah. she, because she can't put any weight on her arm. So 
um, we arranged for a rehab, and I honestly thought it was going to be the last time I saw my mom because Aww. of COVID nineteen. So I, I, um, I was I was very scared, but that wasn't the case, fortunately. Good. Good. So, um, I had my mother um, since she has been at the rehab. I had her to an orthopedic doctor. The orthopedic doctor x-rayed and evaluated her, explained that the break that she has, um, 85% of them will heal, but it can take up to 10 weeks. So with her needing the additional care, you know, and being in a wheelchair and needing more assistance with bathing and dressing and um, is just the additional care that she was going to need we made the decision that um, it's probably best for her to stay there or I was trying to get her into um, another facility that I had checked out before. So in an attempt to get her evaluated to go into the other facility, which would give her some more freedom, than what she has now mm-hmm. because she's in a skilled nursing center right now. Uh, okay. We had to do a Zoom evaluation because okay. they won't let her out and they won't let anybody in. So mm-hmm. we did the evaluation over Zoom. Within 30 seconds of getting on this Zoom call, I looked at my mother and I looked at the social worker and I said, what is wrong with her face? Her cheeks all swollen. And they played dumb to it. And then did proceed to get the nurse on the evaluation call. My mother could not hold her head up. She could not look at the camera. She couldn't carry a conversation. She couldn't get evaluated. I don't know if it was Mm. from pain. I don't know if she was on medication. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. So I reiterated at the end of that call that I needed some follow-up about her cheek. Mm -hmm. Later on that evening, she ended up in the ER. She ended up having an abscess, and she had to get a couple teeth pulled the hospital released her to me. Good. The home would not release her to me to go anywhere, but the hospital did. So I took her to an oral surgeon, and she ended up needing a couple teeth pulled. Okay. By the time I took her back, she was totally coherent and having normal conversations with me. Wow. So we are at the point now because of the expense of the homes and my mother's liquid assets that they put her house up for sale. She's not going to be able to go home. I do do not have the time. Um, She does not have the time or money to heal and go back. And I'm also suspicious that maybe the home isn't doing everything they can 
to get her out of that chair to be able to use a mm-hmm. walker and to help her heal. I don't know that for sure. Um, right. It's just a speculation. Uh, but we are at the point that she's not going to be able to get back to her home, and there's a sales sign up. Now, do you feel had Otholes not had their finger in your mom's assets that the house wouldn't have to be going up for sale right now, but because they've built so much money, that's part of the reason I, why? I, it would have um, – I calculated out between what my brother took, the first home he put her in, um, the first year of expenses, you know, and then we had this year of expenses into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it's probably nearing $40,000. So, yes, with that $40,000, I probably would have gone the route of bringing care into the home so that yeah. she could stay there versus her going to a home. I've talked to many people that have either had somebody in a home or have worked in a home. They don't have the staffing. Most of them, they're they're not nurses. They're aides. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just following orders. In fact, the first home that she was in, when I went there and I saw the bruising and asked what happened, they would not talk to me. They said, I can't tell you anything because you're not power of attorney. I pulled the copy of the power of attorney out of my purse because my husband was insistent that I have that with me at all times. Mm -hmm. I showed it to them and they still would not talk to me. Who did they think the power of attorney was? Deb Clark? No, she wasn't, she wasn't involved yet. It was, it was my brother. It was was your brother. My brother. So, because we were co-power of attorney at that point. Okay. Ah. And they still wouldn't tell you? They wouldn't tell me. That's disgusting. Because of HIPAA and all that other stupid stuff. So, needless to say, I felt like a a punching bag. (laughs) Yeah. I do. I feel like a punching bag with all this. Um, Yeah. And keep in mind, everybody's getting paid and Mm -hmm. has their hand in my mother's purse and everything that I've been doing um, it has never cost her a dime. Right. I mean, if anything, so. you should just demand to be paid just to help and then stick it in a separate account that it's going to be for her because they're going to pretty much run it out. You know, they are, but I, you know what? Cause I had thought about that. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll they'll laugh me right away. Yeah. They'll, they'll say I I never never came into this. They they never would have appointed me guardian of person if if I said I was charging anything. Yeah. Um, I think it, I would have just been taken totally out of the equation. Yeah. So and I never mm. intended to charge anything. So that's not what this was about. This was being able to keep my mother in her home. Uh, she lived there oh. for 60 years. She wow. was in that house, lived independently there for 60 years. So, so now, and I, I like laugh. The next, yeah. I laugh because 
the money that this has cost her over my brother <laughs> wanting the other brother to pay to live there that what yeah. it has cost her <laughs> it doesn't it far out see exceeds anything my mother would have gotten from my brother yeah so it's it's just all let alone the mental tormentation oh yeah exactly it's it's unreal now so now the house is in place so let's hear the atholes always have something up their sleeve for that too so how's that going this is funny the first time I went to the house and met the guardian of the estate there. We also met Deb mm-hmm. Clock there at the same time. The guardian mm-hmm. of the estate at that point brought his realtor in. And they all know each other. Mm-hmm. Deb, Clock, Deb Clock uses the same realtor as and, the guardian, as my mother's guardian. And what- are you like, why is Deb even there? How, what does that have to do with her care plan? Like, what, she was, she so she was there bail? to look. She, well, yeah, that's part of it. But she was there to look at the house to, you know, see where we needed grab bars and, and so forth and look around the house and make sure it was safe. And Okay. So, uh, yeah, so same, same lawyers. Mm-hmm. Same judges. Yep. Same attorneys. Yep. Same realtors. Same yep. doctors. Yes. It's 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 a family. What bank what bank is involved? Do you have it? Because sometimes uh, we're seeing the same bank. It's he has everything at Wachovia. Okay. Or Wells Fargo now. I forget which is which. Wells Fargo, I've heard them being all tied in with them. And then Univest yeah. Bank is tied in with them. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's so I mean now we're just we're waiting on the house. Kind of like it kinda of sounds like it would fit the description of racketeering, which is a felony, doesn't it? When you're all working together to help enrich each other's, you know, financially. There's actually a law called racketeering, and you're not supposed to do it, which I feel, no. in my opinion, they're, that's I, what they're I doing. They're all working together. My, I said to my lawyer, I said, a monkey could do do this job. The estate guardian uh-huh. paying the household expenses, I said a monkey could yeah. do that job. To me, it's a crime to bill an elderly person that rate to write some checks. Yeah, I had everything set up, auto deducted, coming out of her account. Mm-hmm. Um, he has it set up that it it takes him the most time to do it. He's still he's still handwriting checks. Um, I wonder. Also, when he got he got onto the stand uh, when we were in court, and Judge Murphy asked what his qualifications were. His qualifications mm-hmm. were he ran a Chick Fil A. Oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, this sounds like financial elder abuse. So he ran a Chick-fil-A, so that makes him qualified. So I don't know how he he got brought into this. I know he's one of the newer players. Um, Yeah. My experience with him, he's not a nice man. No, Um, none of them are. 
very arrogant, condescending, um, mm-hmm. excessive billing, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. It's super disgusting. So now the, their, um, the, their realtor, so they have to go in and they're going to do like an appraisal. Now let me guess, because I'm going to guess this is what odd holes do. How low is that appraisal compared to like the the Zillow quote or another realtor? Um, they're going to have trouble in this market because it is so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They have it up kind of close. Uh, doesn't mean that's what a bid that they're going to accept because I don't mm-hmm. know how fast they're going to want to unload it. It's it's a different house. It's not a normal setup house. So okay. there's a possibility they could take a low offer. So um, what my attorney told me with the process of selling the house, that um, once they have an accepted offer, they have to take that back to court with um, an evaluation from two appraisers or two other um, unrelated realtors and get the court's approval. And at that point, like somebody in the family, like say I wanted to buy it, um, I could contest it. Now, um, I had a friend of mine who was a realtor contact Uh the other realtor. Uh And as she's talking to him, she said, "How, how does this guardian stuff you know, what happens, you know, once you get an accepted bid. And the realtor told her that they have to hire two lawyers, two more lawyers, to give a notice of value. He said lawyers. He didn't say appraisers. Two lawyers to give a notice of value that they go back to court with at my mother's expense. That just sounds like such crap. Let, I, I can't wait to hear the names of these lawyers that are going to yeah. go and get all this money. And by the way, I offered to facilitate the sale of the home to save my mother money. And it was never even a remote consideration. Um, it was also suggested since my mother's in a home that we no longer need the services of Deb Clock because if she's in a home, she should be getting care. And mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be guardian of her person. Um, yeah. And the home can communicate with me and we can, you know, figure things out together. I don't think a third party right. necessary anymore. So I I was told that my mother's attorney is on board with that, but nothing's happened. It's been very quiet. Uh-huh. So I don't I don't know what's going on. Um, so we're in a, wait, well, a waiting stage right now. When we asked Deb to step down, like four days later, an emergency hearing happened, and they removed me as the co-guardian and put Deb in as full guardian. Yeah, that's what I'm nervous about. Um, however, I'm it, hearing there's some other stuff going on with her. Really? So I'm I'm not sure that that will happen. Um, no, the accuracy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little of what I, I texted you earlier. Um, so yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to bring anything up without, um, yeah. being, knowing anything for sure. 
but I'm nervous if it's not her, it's going to be somebody else who has just as bad of a reputation, if not worse. Yeah, because they're all racketeering. Now, have you, does Deb, or does Deb know that you know that there's stuff about her out on the internet and that it's no not idea. good? No, okay. she has no idea. She has no, no idea. idea. No idea that any of us know each other. No. And I mean, what is it? What do people talk about in Montgomery County? Because there's like that shenanigans in Montgomery County Facebook page. Like it's really shining a light on, you know, the Cricket Courthouse. Like, does the general public are they aware of the Cricket Courthouse or not really? Um, I talk about it. Yeah, uh, I don't think, you know, what I tell people is you you go into court, you think there's justice. You think the court's mm-hmm. there to work in your favor, and yeah. you find out soon afterwards that it's really not. It's really for their benefit. Exactly. Um, something like this can never happen to you. My family was once very close. So my yeah. brother became, he was an alcoholic. He stopped drinking. He became a very angry, vindictive individual, and it happened to my family. <laughs> yeah. As I've heard, there's always one Judas in every family, and the Judas is the one who, you know, stirs this all up. My family had a Judas also, you know. I thought that was a good way to put it. Yeah, it only takes one. And and the thing is, is that the paperwork and everything just being overlooked. I mean, just there's there's stories I can think of the Tarkini story where – their da- um, the daughter Kim had the sole power of attorney and everything, and no one was disputing it. And Judge Ott went and put um, Deb Clock in charge of the um, Maria Tarkini, and that whole there's like um, it was several years ago. Every court record came out on shenanigans all about um, um, Marie Tarkini and the speculation that she got Halidol just like Harvey got Halidol. Yeah, there's class. no, in my opinion, if a power of attorney is in place, there is no need for guardianship. The power of attorney exactly. has the ability to do everything. Now, mm-hmm. if there's some proven wrongdoing with right. the power of attorney, uh, yeah, I get it. But in this yeah. case, I yeah, they I overturn it. all that. They even invade um, trust. There's different documents of court records where they invade, they invade like trust. So people think that they have, they're like, oh, well, I have all my they're paperwork protected. done. And you're not because they invade you're all this. never protected. You're not. Yeah. And here in Wisconsin, because we have, you know, some of these similar things. I was talking to a gal here in Wisconsin who's going through basically um, now they're contesting the will of, you know, her mother and just all this other stuff that they were doing. Well, while she was fighting, you know, when they had guardianized her mother and blocked the visitation, and, of course, this woman owned, you know, a lot of hotels in Wisconsin, and um, they went to the the senator, it was a state senator who wrote some kind of bill about, and I can't remember which one it was, about all this isolation. And so they said, you know, the judge isn't even – following the law and it was a very cut and dried situation that this judge just ruled against so they go to the senator that wrote the law 
and they said, hey, you know, what? like you wrote this law, and they even wrote a book about their law, and they said, um, you know, well, they're not even following the law. Like how do you how do you actually follow, how can you enforce that if you write a law and it, it's not even enforced? And the senator just shrugged her shoulders, and she's like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. So what we have right now, these judges are dictators. They don't have to follow the law. They are a dictator. The law means nothing to them. So all these laws that get passed, left enforced by these senators, they mean diddly squat because there's no, there's no way to enforce them. So no. I'm guessing the, the same thing what we've just discovered in Wisconsin. That's going on in Pennsylvania. They don't have to yeah. enforce them. And this, um, the guardianship, um, I, I come from an audit background, accounting background. Um, mm-hmm. When you're dealing with somebody else's money, uh, there should be checks and balances. Yeah. There's no checks and balances. There's no audit process. Um, they, it, it's horrible. They can do whatever they, they want, it. charge what they want. Yeah. And if I fight it, and when when I did try to fight that first one, my attorney. He talked to me. He said, "Sure, we can fight it, but but it might cost you two thousand dollars to save your mother a thousand dollars." This is he said. This is costing you good money. Yeah. So I had to. Um, we got him to take care of his math error. That's about it. <laughs> um, but just. The little bit that I did contest, it cost me $750. So I I am, and I know my situation isn't as bad as a lot of other situations I've heard about, but I'm I'm yeah. well up over $10,000 in legal fees just because my wow. mother appointed me power of attorney, and I'm trying to fight for her benefit. And yeah. they said, well, they told me in the beginning that I could bill this back to my mother's estate and have my mother pay for it and that to me that was going to defeat the purpose because it would just eat up her liquid assets that much quicker Mm -hmm. so I thought once we came out of court that things would ease up and we could get a normal schedule but it's constant it's every month I, I have to talk to the attorney about something every month because um, either the guardian of the estate did something, Deb Clock did something, or my brother did something. It's just, it's so disgusting, and it's just so draining, isn't it? It's like you can't escape it. No, it, it's it, been it's been a living hell. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many stories. Like I know that we've both met with Corinne. Corinne has been on the show, I think, twice. She's been on the show with Marty. And um, now it's come out that, like, there's $100,000 that's missing from Deb. And Deb Clock was, like, the guardian of the estate or something and the person and, like, just, you know, missed. I don't know. How do you? Oh, I just happened to misplace $100,000. And she just gets away from my other stand. Like, all those um, documents are getting dug through. And we have, you know, you think about all the different things that are on that shenanigans. There's the story of Alco the uh, Holocaust survivor who has since passed away and he had Deb Clock and Diane Zabowski. And that's, I mean, those are all the court documents that are up there. 
what was done to that man is disgusting. And you have Harvey Witten. You know, he was put into a hospice. And he was left there for eight months. And his friends went over at the um, the meadows where he was living over at the Shenandoah. They were being told that Harvey was dead. So Harvey wasn't even getting any visitors because they the management was saying, yeah, he actually, passed. Yeah. And actually, we're telling so his friends that see. he had passed away. Just, yeah. That's disgusting. That was on Deb Clock's watch. That was okay to tell everyone that Harvey died. That's, you know, I sat in, I sat in court with uh, Deb Clock and uh, we used to make these big fits because Harvey wasn't given his dentures. Harvey wasn't given his eyeglasses. Harvey wasn't given his hearing aid. And all these things were like, you, to me, those are quality of life. And you want to know what Diane Zabowski said in the courtroom? Well, Deb, you're, you're really looking at the, more, the bigger picture, the more important things. So I have the court record. I could pull that back up. So according to these two yahoos, Deb Clark and Diane Zabowski, dentures, hearing aids, and eyeglasses aren't really a necessary thing for a quality of life. They were looking at the big picture. I mean, what, when, when can anybody think about that, hearing that? These are the kind of people who are being allowed to take care of the elderly, that they don't that's, think these things are... Have. My mother, yeah. my mother laid in her hospital bed the other week, and she was in so much pain. She said, "I just want to die." I'm so sorry. I just I want mean, to die. How do these? How does like the Deb Clock? How does she live with herself? How is she helping to take care of someone that's saying those kind of things? It's so disgusting, and I'm. It makes me There's so no angry that they. Yeah, there's no conscience. And you know, and we've done Marty and I have done shows on the sociopath and how how they think because I I have had the hardest time wrapping my head around how can you do this to another human, and that's why we do some of these shows. She's my inspiration. She's my freaking inspiration, Deb Clark. It's how can you do this to other people? Doing something like this to an elderly person is mm-hmm. equivalent. To abusing a child. Oh yeah, it's just they're disgusting humans. They're not in a position where they can help themselves. Um, no. And then and then you worry because they do have dementia. They can't communicate. Right. They can't communicate when something's happened. Yeah. And I, and I think like I I in my opinion, Deb Clark enjoys this. She enjoys seeing that people are in pain and in harm, and I, in my opinion, and other people who I've talked to that have had to deal with her, but we all have the same opinion. And I would love for like any national media listening to this right now, we would all go on your show and expose all this and with complete court documents. Just Harvey alone, we have 3,000 pages of court documents to, to back up everything that we're saying. And what, when I hear that you found the information that we have out on the Internet, when we first started going through this, there was nothing. And it just makes me really happy to know that all the work that we did to put those things out there. And yeah. I was, um, I've been threatened with a libel lawsuit. Um, and... 
I just feel like it's the right thing and that you can't cower down to them and that if I'm telling the truth, then prove what I've said is wrong. And, you know, then so many other people are telling the truth, we're telling the truth of what's being done to our loved ones in, in the courthouse of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And I'm just glad that you were able to find what we've written. And as more and more of us write things, I can remember, um, I had a few people out the day after, no, I think it was two days after Harvey died. I had a couple phone calls and they said to me, Kaz, don't stop fighting this now that Harvey's passed away because if you continue to keep telling the story and talking about it, maybe someday, I'm going to cry, maybe someday somebody who never knows your name, who doesn't know anything about what you've ever experienced, they aren't experiencing in their life what we have experienced. And, right. And so that what would be, we will continue to make a difference. Yeah. What would be yeah. nicest? Um, what I would like to see happen is for people to know about this before they enter the courtroom. Yeah. You know, I didn't know about it until I had my suspicions. I had my, my feelings, my gut feelings. I, I was, I was on guard. I was cautious. Uh, I was careful. And, but if I would have known before I walked into court that first time, I might have pushed a little harder for my lawyer to handle it differently. Whether it would have yeah. been any good, I, I don't know. But I was already well into it before I realized. Yeah. I do have yeah. one story that had a happy ending so, um, and I'm not going to say names because things need to be kept secret because the mother is still alive. Anyway, Deb Clack was um, the guardian and it was supposedly, and this was years ago, it was time for hospice care for mom. And um, the family did not believe that it should be time for hospice care. And they did the Googles and they found me and we talked and, you know, I've sent all the articles, the same, the same things that you've seen. And the son of this family was an attorney. So they went in to court, and this was Judge Ott at the time. So this is years ago. And this, this mom is still alive, and according to Deb Clark, it was hospice time. Anyway, so they go into court, and they, they had printed off all the articles and, and had interviewed not just me, other families, because I gave up the names. And they had all this stuff, and they said to De- Judge Ott, you know, uh, we we think that maybe Deb Clark wouldn't be the best choice for a guardian. And, you know, these are some serious accusations, and they start laying them out. Well, they don't want that stuff getting submitted into um, the court records and stuff. Bam, immediately Deb Clark was taken off of guardian, and and a family member was put on guardian, and that woman is still alive. And that is the only story that I've ever heard that someone, but the son, their son was an attorney, but didn't practice in Montgomery County, but I'm guessing stepped in and was like, you know, uh, oh, heck no, this is not going to happen to my family. But they had all these stories, start dropping names of everyone that they talked, all the articles, and Deb Clark was removed. That's wonderful. That's a good story. It is, isn't it? I love that story. 
Yeah. But yeah. And you know what? I when I when he called and told me how it happened, I when I got off the phone and I really, really thought about it and I just bawled my face off and I thought, that's the one family that I might have made a difference for. And I think about it right now and my husband will tell me, he's like, You helped save someone's life because you told your story and you didn't stop. And she's still alive and her family can still see her. And she was supposed to be in hospice care, and this family fought back. And it's a, it does make me feel good that I that difference in someone's life by telling the story. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, so it, it can happen, but and I bet you they. I, I would like that that fly on the wall for that hearing. I have to say, um, this. Everybody I've met through the research I've done um, and talked to, uh, it's been a very nice support system. As it has been. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I find, like, if it hadn't been for Harvey and the guardianship and stuff, I wouldn't have met Marty. And Marty is my bud. We talk on the phone couple times a week we're texting each other messaging each other and so I feel very honored to you know I feel like I'm in Marty's inner circle and we're just you know I really consider her just such a dear dear friend and just so important to me think about her all the time and these are friends that I would have never made and Elaine who's the head of NASCA and I have just loved everything about being involved with NASCA and Catherine Falk who also tried to help me yeah I mean, amazing people, and I just have fun. Like, they've become friends. Like, we can talk about – we don't have to talk about guardianship all the time. And I've made so many amazing friends. No. Yeah. When you're sharing these stories, um, the common thing that people come back to me with is, happen this happen? Yeah. This can happen. Yes, it can. And people still do not realize that when you walk into that courtroom, you lose all control. There is no control. Because they're a dictator. Yep. And a dictator doesn't follow any laws. They're the dictator. Yeah. Oh, I have to shout out Austin Gibson. She is one of my best friends now. We go in spurts where we are talking on the phone or message each other every single day. And Austin Gibson and I have been friends now, oh, my gosh, probably like six or seven years. And we've met in person a few times. And I just can't imagine life without knowing Austin Gibson. Now, did you get to meet her yesterday when you guys I did not. No, with the weather bad, I don't think she wanted to come out in the rain. Okay. Um, but I did talk okay. with her on the phone, and she is a joy to talk to. Oh, she is a yeah. big, a very. I met Mary Bush. Yes, I so, love Mary Bush. She says that I'm her sister, so we're <laughs> all going to be a big family. I love, love, and I've met her in person several times too. Yeah, Mary, and I've met Mary's mother as well. I did. You ever hear? I know I know that, that story? story. I know that yeah. story and um Eileen was with and Eileen told okay. that story. 
Did she really? That I was she like did. sneaking in to get a card that said, I love you, mom. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And I had a getaway car. I had a getaway car waiting for me outside the, the a nursing home. Oh my gosh. That was an adventure. Yeah. I, I mean, there are, when I, when I think about everything, like how my life changed, like one man had a stroke and that's what started everything and the ripple effect of how it affected my life, you know, to this day. And he's been passed away for years now and it's still going on. There's still court stuff. There's still, it's like never, it's never ending. It's, it's, it's unreal. And yeah, I usually start out when I tell the story, I say, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. And you get to decide if I'm a compulsive liar or I'm living in some kind of fantasy world or am I telling you the truth? And I tell the story and I've had many, and I say I have websites that you can go to to look up some of this stuff after. And I write the websites down for people. And about half the people will come back and tell me and they'll go, oh my gosh, cause. I actually thought you were like some crazy compulsive liar because it was so unreal. And I thought you were like crazy. Right. I'm like, it's I not know. unreal. It is. And, and so people think I'm like this conspiracy crazy lady when I tell these, the story. Everybody um, can't be experiencing the same thing. None of us knew each other. None of us were connected right. to each other. Um, yet we all share this common same element and we didn't know each other existed until after it happened exactly i mean how can yeah how do that doesn't make any sense that a whole bunch of unrelated people would get in on a conspiracy theory and make up lies there's just no way and i truly hope someday we all get to have as austin says we're going to make our impact statement we're having our day in court and we're going to watch them be found guilty. And then we're going to get up and we're going to read that impact statement. And the other thing, you know, there's going to be the placing of the headstone of Austin's mother. Austin's mother's um, headstone is not being placed until all this has been finalized and dealt with. Oh, really? And, yep. And, and, and that's one thing that I say to her, I will be there. I will be there and I cannot wait to be there to do that celebration of life when Austin is finally able to lay this to rest and and have justice for her mother and what was done to Austin is just it's disgusting. Yeah. But she is just such a beautiful, beautiful human. I have artwork that she's painted me and she sends it to me. She's just become such an amazing friend. And I love her so much. And so I do think about there's a lot of positive. And it's so hard right now. Your mom is still alive and you're fighting for her and for the best of everything for her. And hopefully doing this show, you know, if they find out that you know all of us and that you're, you know, I I can't imagine that they like having us all out here, knowing each other. I just, it's got to bother them. Someday, I mean, their day will come. I just really believe it. Something needs to be done. Yeah. I don't know when. I don't know how. Um, I asked my husband uh, the other day because he's a a retired police officer. Um, Yeah. I said, hypothetically, I said, if 
somebody stole money and it was proven that they stole money and the court appointed this person said can you go back and sue in the court and get sue the county or or so forth and he said no I said why so the court holds immunity they didn't commit the crime Mm -hmm. I said but they appointed the the person that committed the crime Uh he said it doesn't matter I'll tell you the only way you can get them because I had at one time my this attorney is um he's gone but uh he was my attorney I had this like really amazing attorney for about four years and he told me this so this is how we get them okay racketeering is a felony right so if everyone um wants to look up that uh the definition on Wikipedia, racketeering is basically all working together to financially, you know, enrich themselves and, you know, commit crimes. And, you know, I believe, in my opinion, we might be able to prove some murder, in my opinion. I, I mean, I would, like, I would like a jury to hear it all and see what they think. So now we're looking at uh, racketeering, and there's a, um, another crime, and it's called felony murder. Now, felony murder isn't like regular murder. So felony murder is that while you are committing a felony, if someone dies, that's considered felony murder. And the easiest example is if you go in to rob a bank and you pull your gun out and everyone's down, everyone's freaking out, and someone has a heart attack and dies while you're robbing that bank, A, you rob the bank, that's a felony. Now someone's dead because you are committing a felony that bank robber can be charged with the murder of that person who just died of that heart attack because of their actions. That's what felony murder is. And that is the only way that we are going to take down these judges and these holes. is we are going to get them on racketeering and then we need to be able to prove felony murder. And that's how we get them. And we can do it. I believe that we have the paperwork to prove it. It's um, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, and um, it's going to take an army. It is so. Yeah, but you're building it. You're building it, cause. <laughs> oh gosh, is that? it's oh my gosh! I'm just like a little brick in the wall, like you know. Marty has been building this army. For the last 14 years, she's been doing these shows. She has this amazing audience worldwide, and they just heard your story, and it's one more story to expose the holes. I am just so grateful that you came on and shared the story because when you share your story, it it basically gives, like, justification to the rest of us who are saying, hey, these holes, this is what they're doing. This is, you know, you're one more story. You're one more, like, number that we're saying look at what they're doing look what they're doing and i hope that everything that we've done everything that we're exposing that they're going to lay off you and let you and your mom live in peace and not push so hard for some of the cruel things that they have done to others and i'm really proud of you you have really done amazing you are an amazing daughter i think that is the one thing that just spoke to me loud and clear is just how much, how much respect and love that you have for your mother and that you're there for her, you know, forever. And she's your mother. Like there are mothers, like 
there who raised us. And now when they need us, we're there for them. And you are the epitome of that, like a role model for that. And I'm right. like in awe. I'm my, in awe. My one, my one brother said years ago, Mom, you took care of us all those years. Now it's our turn. Now it's our yeah. turn to take care of you. So let us do it. Because <laughs> my mother's yeah. stubborn. Yeah, a lot of the elderly do get stubborn when they get older, and I'm sure we will too. But you know what? It doesn't mean that we should be tortured, you know, and everything else that they do. Like, you know, when we finally, when my dad finally moved into assisted living, I still remember he's like, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, it's just, it's just, you know, everyone does everything in, in their, in their own time. And, um, I I just I really believe that there'll be a blessing for you. You might not see it right now, but it's waiting for you because of how you have been how you. you have treated your mother. You it will come. Thank you. And I hope that there's I feel there'll be a blessing for me too for how I treated my uncle. And I you know, I'm waiting and Austin always tells me, It's coming, it's coming and Get that impact, and he knows. impact statement he knows. ready. Yeah. He mm-hmm. knows. Yeah. And I love that we're partnered up together to, to work together to expose this. And I know we don't have but a few minutes left, but I'm just like, thank you, Marty, for getting us on. Marty, are you still there? Yes. Yes. Oh, Marty's <laughs> Excellent here. Excellent interview. How, how did yes. we do, Marty? Marty, Marty let you, me be the apprentice you, today. You did excellent, excellent interview, and uh, very informative. And uh, Kathy, uh, you know, I commend you on what you have done here for your mom. Keep fighting. We're here with you, and okay, uh, whatever thank you. we can do to support you, we will. And uh, okay. if that means writing letters or attending Zoom hearings, whatever it takes, we'll be there. And um, okay. so just let us know what you need. Thank you. Yes. Okay, Kaz, you got anything else that you want to? Um, you know, I do feel that uh, we've kind of let on that a lot of us know each other. And I do feel that I would like to put out a warning to the glory hogs out there to leave us alone. Don't try and stir the pot. Um, we don't want you helping us. We are doing just fine. Like Kathy just said, everyone has been like so wonderful and nice. There seems to be arch enemies, Kathy, that now that they've heard that we work together and that we know each other and that we support each other, that will come in and just like stir the pot, try to get people to turn on each other. And the one glory hog actually tried to get me and Marty to turn on each other by writing me stuff about the two of us, like on the internet and everything. And so I guess that would be my final thing is that we can't let, we just call them glory hogs, people who just want to come in and create division. Um, You know, like leave us alone, just leave us alone. If they were listening or not today, we don't want you helping us. We don't want, we just please leave us alone and we would appreciate, you know, because what's going to happen, Kathy, is someone's probably going to get a hold of you and badmouth me and Marty. And, I mean, we've all gone through it. I have to warn every guest that comes on the show, hey, 
so-and-so is probably going to, get, you know, get a hold of you and just, you know, ignore. And it, sure enough, it, the glory hog is always out there stirring the pot. I guess, would okay. you have anything else to say about the glory hogs, Marty, as like the warning? Well, exactly. Um, I was having that discussion just today about how when the one in particular shows up, everything goes off the rails and the general consensus that's building is that they are a paid provocateur. They're paid to come in, Mm -hmm. derail the conversation, get everybody fighting, and then they move on to the next group of people and they do the same thing again. They're always representing themselves as some kind of an expert. If any of us were experts in this, we'd have this system whipped, but it changes all the time to accommodate the predators. So no one is Mm -hmm. in the expert capacity. We do the best we can. But we never, never advocate for breaking the law or doing anything that will get you put in jail or jeopardize your case. Never, ever. So if anybody comes to you with that kind of uh, setup and, well, just do this anyway because after, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, We've had several people end up in jail who took this advice and then the people giving it ran the other way. So that's that's the biggest thing there. We've got about 30 seconds, girls. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for being our guest this evening, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to participate a little bit more, but I'll get better as I go on here. Uh, Kaz, that's you okay. Thank you for interview. having me. Oh, it was great to have you on. A very, very good interview. Um, Kaz, we'll be back next Friday night. I'm not sure doing what, but we'll be here. Mm-hmm. Everybody who tuned in, thank you very much. Remember, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C. We're members of the summit, so we'll be there. Anyway, talk to you all later, and good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.